Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. It's Gig Pigs. Hello. No, you're right. I really enjoyed some of our cold opens, and that attempt to do it more formally ensures that I will never take the lead on an opening again. Never do it. Always whimsy our way to something. I'm Ivo Graham. I'm Alex Keeley. And thank you very much for joining us for S2E2, avoiding the series slash season thing, which I think has really started to trip us up, both yes. publicly and privately, in recent recordings and admin discussions. It's S2E2. If podcasts had cricket umpires, would the umpire be standing on one foot during S2E2? Like when it's 1-1-1, when the score is 1-1-1, or 2-2-2, or 3-3-3. Do you know about thing? No. There's an umpire that likes... I really thought cricket was one of my yes. realms. Sorry. Every realm is yours. No, no, no. This is a numbers realm thing. This is oh. category numbers, subcategory cricket. Yeah, but as someone who bangs on about loving being a cricket scorer back in the day. I've got to be across cricket brackets I can't remember numbers. what it's called. Is it called... So if it's 1-1-1... One, 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 if the team's on 100... Maybe it has to be 111 for one. Get or off that laptop. Get off, get the, off that laptop. Get off that laptop. Give me all of the information you have in your brain about it and nothing more for I internet. think it's like... Who was that? Having been devastated, I'm now excited. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Well, you browbeat me into low confidence. <laughs> no, I'm not browbeating you into low confidence. I'm saying that if we both resolve to try and be less tangential in the podcast, you volunteering and it's like about a niche bit of cricketing admin that you actually don't really know about. Ten know seconds in. Some umpire it feels like a long time there, since it's Gig Pig's Hello. <laughs> When it's one, 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 when it's one for one. No, 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 not one for one. When the score, it's a three-digit score and it's all the same digit. So if they're like 111 or 222. Right. And then possibly it has to be 111 for one or 222 for two. The umpire has to stand there on... There are certain umpires that stand on one leg, umpires. I think. Yeah. But I'm sure there's a truth in it. And I'm still ashamed to... I'm not completely washing away my <laughs> desire to confidently know more about every aspect of cricket than you, including the numbers. But I just don't think that's... I'm not going in sturdy enough for you to feel bad about the situation. I just think it's a lot of fat. I'd be annoyed if I was debating a decision with an umpire, particularly if I'd run out of reviews. <laughs> and the umpire... I just think you'd have had a better sight of whether it was going down leg if you were on two legs. I think you'd have been thinking more about whether it was going down leg if you hadn't been being like, oh, in a couple of balls, I'm going to stand on one leg. <laughs> But then I would find it very hard to keep a sort of completely needless extra tradition in my head as a cricket umpire because I have a great difficulty concentrating on things, which brings us very neatly to this <laughs> week's guest. It's a compliment. It's not necessarily a compliment, but it's a plug, not an insult, yes. as it were. Now, this is S2E2 of Gig Pigs, and it's a live episode. It's a bit confusing because we did a mid-series pigtails about the festival Latitude, which we specifically went to to watch the band Pulp headlining on the Friday night in the company of, amongst others, the brilliant comedian and writer and friend and music fan and pulp obsessive <laughs> Chaparak Corsandi. 
we did do a podcast episode which we would recommend about non-pulp aspects of latitude that came out a few weeks ago but this is our pulp at latitude live episode and it's bold in a way s2e2 live episode second episode of the series yeah but equally as the days draw in it's as obviously inherently nostalgic as this podcast is and we're going to be watching videos of concerts from the 90s and possibly even older for potentially privatized content uh <laughs> it's nice to get the second we love to drop an episode in the same season yeah, yeah. in the same season and that's a legitimate use of season. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite of the four series? I don't think I understand that, but there's no time. So what's your favourite the fall? Just, the fall? Oh, as in the, the TV show The Fall? No, no, I was saying, what's your favourite of the four oh, series? I'm sorry. Just, just doing your thing I said, what's your favourite of the fall series? And I was like, that's unbelievably clever to use a TV show, which yes. is a series. Yes. You know, he doesn't know what the umpires are doing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he knows a lot of other stuff. So... Alex. Big moment for me this episode. Big moment for me because I've got both my tour support mummy and daddy there. Well, I'd never thought of the Graham Corsandi Keeley menage in those <laughs> terms before. I think I've said lots of things to Shappy like, ah, this is great, isn't he? But not, I've never asked her about uh, Has about he queried Sudan. your clutch control? <laughs> right. No, not my clutch control. Stop bringing it back to my driving. Stop bringing it back to Saddam. <laughs> Right. But you drive. I drive, Shaq. Yeah, yeah, which is not to in the top trumps of, you know, tour support. Well, it's not top trumps. I can really <laughs> everything about to top trumps. Uh, it's more of a compliment, me, getting to tour support me. Not that it isn't a compliment from Shappy. And crucially, we're not both complimenting the main thing, which is your fantastic 20 to 25 minutes of comedy. Full <laughs> hours veer off topic a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I adore Alex's hours and hugely recommend his next one. In 2023, he's already bought three books for research. Um, but... Though you'd think I'm a bad driver and needle me about it, the fact is I ain't bringing you to drive. No. You might drive, and that's lovely. We'll be safer. <laughs> so, yeah, so we've never discussed being mummy and daddy before. Are we your main parents? I think we are. Main parents. Tom Rosenthal is parental to specific Norwich gigs. Yes. I don't mind you hanging out with your uncle occasionally. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's very nice to obviously have, as we have with many of our guests, a nice pre-existing professional friendship with Shappy, but very also exciting to explore the musical side of it. Although, as she references, you've had the quite specifically bonding and often very music-heavy stand-up experience of 1am drives with the tunes on. Yes. Are you listening to lots of, and I've never asked you this, it's not a hugely urgent question. What's your ratio of chat to music in the Keeley car with the Corsandi sign on it? <laughs> <laughs> Three to one chat to music. The Kia. You don't mind me saying what you drive? It's in the Kia. In the Kia. The Keeley Corsandi Kia. Yes, please. The KKK. No. So when you're... Um, imagine wanting to make that joke so much that you doxed the make of Alex's car. <laughs> <laughs> Mustn't just use the word doxed to mean revealed. What's the ratio of music to chat? Three chat, one music. Three chat, one music. What's, and what's our ratio? We usually have music on. You referenced, and I was very moved by you remembering just before we recorded this, our drive back from Manchester, where we couldn't believe. We were about 20 minutes from home and we thought, oh my God, we've done a full return trip to Manchester with no music played. Such was the electric conversation. Yeah, it's probably me. Let's not get into, <laughs> let's not get into the ratios of topics and speakers. And on that note, 
we and I've already broken whatever resolution I was planning to make at the start of this, I think, in this intro alone, although again, I must say, I've been flung muxed by the cricket thing, that we did a live episode at Latitude. It was an incredible privilege to get to go to Latitude and do it. We had a fun weekend around it, as detailed in the Latitude Pigtails. We're very grateful to Latitude, Flora Festival Republic, and everyone who looked after us on site and at the listening post. I'd like to apologise for being perhaps a little bit triumphalist about basically failing the listening post or the literary tent as it was then in 2013 when I literally <laughs> did not turn up for my comparing duties. That was a bit charmless. And I also think the slightly manic energy of doing the, of us live podcast meant that I'm quite loud in this. <laughs> it's a loud performance from me. And I'd like to think that I'll bear that in mind for future episodes. But then we're in a tent and we're sort of working out how to... I think it's one of the most affectionate ways I've ever seen a comedian describe someone that's watching their comedy show as disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get to hear that in about half an hour. Watching their comedy show. I believe you describe someone's white lies disgusting and that you are disgusted. Oh, Yes. How interesting. For God, listen to the episode yesterday. I can't completely remember what you're talking about. So obviously that's a concern for the memory. And it's a concern <laughs> for the amount of times I'm trying to say that sort of thing. Otherwise, yes, or otherwise <laughs> offensive. So having talked over you and Shappy at points in this episode, I'm now providing an obstacle to us introducing our guest properly. Our friend, the very brilliant and diversely portfolioed stand-up and writer Shepard Corsandi. One of the first comics I remember watching as sort of like regularly on Live at the Apollo yeah. when I was starting out. Now someone I'm very excited to have gigged with quite a lot in the last few years. And also a writer of both fiction and nonfiction. And the, her latest book is in the latter category, which is called Scatterbrain. How I finally got off the ADHD rollercoaster and became the owner of a very tidy sock drawer. Some brains, through no fault of their own, pack a bag, turn the lights off, and run away to the seaside the moment they're meant to be doing homework, paying bills, or not putting the cat in the fridge. These are ADHD brains. I'm looking forward to reading this book, which features that sentence, to which I hugely relate. <laughs> but your brain is sort of compiling quizzes, usually. It's what it's doing. Yeah, that's what I'm doing at the seaside. <laughs> um, so it was terrific to to talk to Shappy a bit about the book, but crucially about her musical history, her relationship with the band Pulp, and indeed other bands that she might even have rather been watching literally at the same time as our <laughs> chat with her at Latitude. So Pulp, Pulp are a, a British band of <laughs> some great musical and cultural importance. Again, we feel very lucky to have got to see them on what was quite a big sort of Pulp reunion summer. Yes, particularly because, I mean, we're for the Patreon, we're going to watch a pulp documentary yes. and then talk about that. And that documentary talks about a gig of theirs in 2014 being their last ever show. And from the perspective of that documentary, that was indeed the case. Yes. But from the perspective of now. File it alongside LCD Sound Systems, The Long Goodbye. Not a goodbye. <laughs> also, really quite almost ludicrously short. <laughs> um, but obviously great. Sorry, I've just remembered a very specific romantic circumstance in which I watched that DVD and we don't have time. Or it's not appropriate. <laughs> but probably, in some ways, the most pivotal romantic experience one can have as an adolescent. Straight after that. So um, <laughs> it's <laughs> so we watched Pulp on their 2023 This Is What We Do For An Encore. Yes, quite a companion piece, really, to last week's episode, which we hope you've listened to and enjoyed with Josh Whittacombe about Blur, a band who also, in a fantastic way, particularly for people like us who weren't really around the first time in the mid-90s, are still people sort of renewing 
and like sort of adding an extra layer of gloss, lip gloss, to their legacy. Is that a good non-patronizing summary yes. of the ongoing, every sort of four or five year blur and pulp reunion? Teleporting more fans into the starship who weren't there. That's exactly it. And that's what I feel about pulp, as with the case with so many of these bands we've got to go and see where you sort of think you've got one foot in the door, but then in the sort of days leading up to it, I cursed that I'm not fully prepared. And, and like songs, obviously, sort of common people and Disco 2000 and stuff are as discussed in the episode, Nyon National Anthems. There's a song like Pink Love about jealousy, which I just like. <laughs> I just was driving to Latitude in my last revision window, just listening to it over and over again, going, the desire to listen to this song, Pink Love, again, immediately, has trumped any desire to listen to This Is Hardcore for the second time. Probably the correct decision, given they only played one or two songs from the song. Anyway, look, much of this is covered in the episode. We do hope you enjoy the episode. We had a great time getting to do it. Patrons of the Listening Post. That was louder than any of us expected it to be. And I apologise. There's now an actual technical check being carried out on just how booming this offstage introduction is. They said go big. Thank you for coming to the Listening Post to watch Gig Pigs live at Latitude, or indeed to escape the horrible, horrible inclement weather. Regardless of why you are here, please bunch forwards if you can to let more people into the tent if more people are trying to get into the tent. Well, without any further ado, because we're drowning out the Hives Martins at this rate, please welcome to the stage Ivo Graham and Alex Keeley under the guise of Gig Pigs. Hello. Hello, song. everybody. This is a very, very exciting for us. We do a podcast called Gig Pigs, where we talk about gigs that we've gone to and enjoyed. It's a lovely thing to get to do. It's losing us a huge amount of money in gig <laughs> tickets, but it's nonetheless probably my favourite thing I've done in my career. Alex is my oldest friend. We've always loved going to gigs together. This is the first time we've ever done it live. We've got to come to Latitude to do a Gig Pigs about being at Latitude, this amazing festival. And we're going to talk about Pulp, who we watched last night. Give me a cheer if you watched Pulp last night. That's good. So... This is pretty sort of latitude-eating-itself stuff. Yeah, yeah. We're not having a new experience now. We are picking over an old experience. I hope you're up for that. Directly competing with one of our guests' favourite bands that are yes. on the main stage right now. So and I've just dead-named Paul Heaton as the House Martins in my offstage introduction, which is exquisitely <laughs> bad form. But we've just been talking about the House Martins so much backstage. We didn't realise we'd be clashing our chat about pulp with another sort of like 90s British rock institution. So sorry if you've had to make a difficult choice, but the rain makes it the choice helps. easier, the rain, doesn't the rain it? It does help. There's a lot of comedians and podcasters walking around at Latitude this weekend going, this plays well in our favour. We were hoping for some audience. We'll have to earn their respect, but crucially, we can sit here in silence and we're all dry. <laughs> it's not bad. Did we all enjoy uh, The Big Moon? We just watched, we just watched The good. Big Moon at the Obelisk, who were absolutely fantastic. But over the course of that hour, they got better and better, but the situation rain-wise... Sodden so Beatles shirt. Ivo's got a sodden Beatles shirt Well, on I've now. got an anorak from TK Maxx, which it is permeable. It's instantly permeable. <laughs> I believe it's from Superdry. It's from Superdry, and we all had a laugh. We all had a laugh at me in my Superdry jacket, feeling anything but. So, yeah, our guest, broadly with the podcast, we go with a friend to watch a gig, 
And that can work in two ways. Either we're friends with the person and we know they love this band or artist and that band or artist is on tour, so we, there's a strong chance we'd be going with them anyway to watch the gig and we say, would you mind if instead of just having this lovely experience <laughs> in an organic way, we do what everyone has to do these days and make content out of it? And we do a podcast. Sometimes it works a bit more like we'd like to have someone on the podcast. We seek out a gig for them to go and see. Being at Latitude with Shappy and being able to talk about pulp, it's come together very nicely. But it didn't come together when we were backstage about to come on for this and Shappy went, Paul fucking Heaton's on. And was visibly angry to be having to do our podcast. So, I mean, like, we're about to introduce her, but, like, 70% chance she's just not there any, I anymore gave to her, be uh, You were quite angry with me for giving Chappie a 15-minute... At five to six, at about 15 minutes before the podcast due to start, I said, well, they're right there. Don't go and get in and amongst it, but if you'd like to go and sort of watch Paul Heaton from a distance for 10 minutes and then bring that live gig pig energy yeah, to gig yeah. pigs. But you didn't like me sending away like, our I guest. I would say my mean joke would be that I would say that Ivo has admitted there's probably a kind of um, distinction in admin responsibility in this podcast. And I felt like you making quite a large admin decision to allow our guests to roam free at the festival seemed like a bad decision. Alex, uh, I, obviously I'm very biased because you're my best friend, but Alex is funny and brilliant and wise on the podcast all of the time, and I'm so lucky to get to do it with you. But also, in terms of actually getting the podcast over the line, it doesn't exist without this man. He does the wee transfers, I wear a bucket hat. And that, that is unfortunately... Although, you're enjoying a cool Brooklyn Pilsner, whereas I'm, I'm being a bit more sensible with some liquid death. Exactly. The hit of the festival. We're all enjoying our horrifically branded Has liquid death mountain murdered water. murdered their thirst this festival? Yeah, give me a cheer if you've had a liquid death this festival. <laughs> Lovely. Give me a cheer if you've had water, but from any other brand other than liquid death. <laughs> you're wasting your time. This is all I drink. If it doesn't have a... Well, it's not a skull. It's a sort of... Um, I think it is a skull, but it's on 90 degrees. We, Tilt the can, you can see it's skull. We didn't stop Shappy watching Paul Heaton so that we could interrogate the logo of Liquid Death. <laughs> That's simply not fair on her. So, shall we introduce yes. our guests to the stage? I think without further ado, can you give a massive round of applause and welcome to the stage, Shappy at Cool Sandy! <laughs> She's on the death! She's on the death! Have you, have you got a mic? Oh, yeah. yeah. And a mic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. We said, for don't the forget mic. your can of liquid death or your mic. Oh, I nearly didn't come on so that you think I'd run off to see Paul Heaton. There was and then I thought, I want to too much. <laughs> well, fun fact, well, obviously, we'll find out imminently. In 2013, I was comparing this tent when the yeah, yeah, yeahs were on in the mid afternoon, and I thought I'd be able to uh, go and watch the yeah, yeah, yeahs while the, the live sort of chat about war happened. But they didn't chat about war for as long as they were scheduled to, so it got to the end of the war chat and there was no compare because I was having a lovely time to the AA years. <laughs> and, I, and I was told that I wouldn't work at this stage again. <laughs> Ten years later, he's back with his smug podcast about watching Pulp. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Sheppy, how's Paul Heaton from your distant uh, Do you know, I'm really experience? enjoying the voice of one of my favourite artists as I try very hard to focus yeah. on oh, something entirely different. I'd say drift off whenever you want. If I say something, for example, like in 2013, you're about to get a pretty poor nostalgic anecdote, go straight to Heaton, I would say, in your head. Yeah, I mean, this better be good. <laughs> yeah. This better be good. 
Thank you very much for coming and doing it. It's important to say it's you my have. Pleasure. This is your second podcast in here this afternoon. Yeah, and you, you cried. You cried yesterday. in the last one. Yes, yes, I had a podcast earlier that was very serious, and yes. I cried, and I've had to do. And then I thought, oh, this will be fun, and then I realised it clashed with Paul Heaton, so I cried again, but in private. Yes. And now I'm feeling much better about everything, and I'm drinking my liquid death, and it's great to chat because I was very excited to do this podcast with you, because Alex and I used to tour together, and it was really great because you're a music nerd and that's really nice to have a comic in the car with you who's a music nerd and not just someone that just wants to bitch about the business. <laughs> but <laughs> you've got a bit of that in as well, didn't you? A little bit, but, to, but yes. you know, more chit-chat about Springsteen. Oh, that's yes. very nice. Who we've all seen in the last fortnight. Yes. We'll get to Springsteen, if possible, but we must stay relatively latitude-focused. Yeah. Apart from crying during all these podcasts, have you had a nice weekend? <laughs> I'm having a lovely weekend. I come to Latitude a lot. I love going to festivals. I love watching bands, just wandering around and watching everything. And they are my happy place, I would say. Latitude is quite nice for having... It's a sort of central point just out there where you can get a sense of what's happening in most of the sort of bigger areas of the festival. It's really lovely to be doing this gig here because it's sort of hopefully enjoyable and intimate, but basically everyone in the tent is hopefully hearing this and no one outside the tent knows what's going on. Whereas with the comedy stage, which we've done, <laughs> it does sound a bit like if you're walking past the comedy stage, even if it's going really well and people are having a great time in there, it sounds a bit mad. You just hear the disembodied voice of a comedian just sort of wafting over latitude with, like, no laughter or context. Like a song that is, like, stripped out the it's drums, really but it's just, you're just getting someone's horrific dating anecdote with no laughter. Yeah. Do you know, when I, when I was walking to see one of my favourite artists, Paul Heaton, for Thank 30 you. seconds, I just heard from the comedy tent the words... Super drug, where I get my ears pierced. And I just thought, what a wonderful world. You don't even know who that was? No, there was a roar from the crowd. I think someone's trying to confirm who it was. We but managed I think we to... prefer it to be a lovely mystery. <laughs> someone's got You're some great right. super drug like material. Oh, and also, I heard someone pointing to this tent, because it's raining, going, should we just go in there and lie down for a bit? <laughs> yep. Thank and... you for coming. Thank you very much. <laughs> if that's why you're here, take up a lot of real estate there, I would say. I mean, obviously, it's all very relaxed and you've earned your place at the front, but if there's anyone bunched at the back, we've got some people not bunched at the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's great when you can hear the stuff going on, but it can be a bit... Mark Watson was doing comedy about ten years ago. Uh... He still does it. No, I... <laughs> I paused at the wrong time and you had me for breakfast. <laughs> in 2010, Mark Watson was doing a comedy set in the late afternoon and Mumford and Sons were on. And Mumford and Sons, in the, I don't know, six months since Latitude was booked and Latitude happened, had um, exploded onto the scene with that lovely posh banjo we've all come to love. And, uh, but Mumford and Sons were so loud. And Mark Watson was doing a great set, but people were just hearing that banjo and getting up and leaving because they were summoned by the almost Christian call of Mumford. <laughs> I want it in this, I want it in this. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I don't know what that was. Was it a Mumford and Sons song? <laughs> I don't know what that was either. But, uh, well, they, they, they're hard to relate over there. <laughs> yes. Oh, Paul Heaton. Yeah. Oh, right. One of the greatest. Thanks for, thanks for missing Paul Heaton. But what second best... To watching Paul Heaton. Chappie talking about Paul Heaton. <laughs> Dry Chappie beats Wet Heaton. That's the Dry Chappie beats Wet Heaton. Get it on a t shirt. <laughs> sell it at your gigs. Probably don't sell it at Paul Heaton gigs. <laughs>
It's so difficult not to sing along. I'm sorry that it's happening. I'm sorry. We also... Give me a cheer if last night you followed watching Pulp finishing their set with the fantastic common people by going into the woods and attending a 90s indie rock pop disco called Common People where they played multiple Pulp songs. It was great, but... It's, that's one of the li- longest give me a cheer directions I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Give me a cheer who watched Pulp and the Pulp disco. <laughs> sorry. Uh, it is easier when the questions are shorter. <laughs> I thought it was slight overkill. Your take on it was just great to have more pulp immediately. Yep. We've just watched pulp, we've loved pulp, and now we're listening to Disco 2000 again, just yes. the recorded version, and then Common People, and it was, that was all good. With, and Babies, they were hammering it. You were good for that as well? I was at the disco with you. I know, I said, were you enjoying it? I did, I, yes, I did, I did enjoy it, and I was very, very sandwiched between lots of teenagers who were enjoying it. It was so tight, I haven't been that... I caught COVID and and probably (laughs) chlamydia just by osmosis. It was, yeah. It was pure filth, pure filth in the woods. I'm excited to see if I'm ill in a few days. What a great review of a festival. (laughs) (laughs) Get close enough, you could be too. Fingers crossed. So you enjoyed Pulp last night, Chappie? That's the main one. I loved Pulp last night, so I love Pulp very much with all my heart. They're not just a band to me, they are part of the fabric, the tapestry of my life. And this is the third time I've seen them on this particular tour. So I saw them at Finsley Park, I saw them in Cardiff, and I saw them here last night, and they get better and better. Every single night, Jarvis just delivered, he didn't phone it in, and... I absolutely loved it. It would have been terrible if you said, I saw them in Cardiff and I saw them in Finsbury Park, and last night, to be honest, they were phoning it in. (laughs) (laughs) I think even if that was your conclusion... didn't care. You've got to keep it from this. No, it was... They were brilliant. I still can't believe I'm seeing them. Do you know what I mean? I just think, it's Jarvis. It's them. They're actually singing to me live. And he looks like he's enjoying himself. I'm already getting a lump in my throat. What is wrong with me? (laughs) But... Anyway, so... It is luck of the draw. Like, Latitude has these amazing headliners, but it's not always, like, quite the vibe or that, like, a few years ago, Portishead were headlining, who were obviously amazing and important, and you'd listen to them on record, but it was a lot of people who hadn't seen each other for ages in a field, like, drunk and excited, and it's a very intense I don't think it's, like, a euphoric disco in the woods afterwards playing bits of dummy. No, I don't think so. (laughs) It was quite sort of trippy, and they had quite uh, political visuals, including a picture of David Cameron with these red eyes just staring, piercing out into the crowd. And it was lovely to see him, but it was an (laughs) intense... It was a very intense Saturday night. Whereas Pulp, it felt like... I mean, just by way of generic cheer, give me a cheer if you enjoyed Pulp. So I saw Pulp for the first time at Glastonbury in 1995. And give me a cheer if you were there, 1995, right? And they were replacing the Stone Roses. And it was my first Glastonbury. I was barely more than a child. How old was I? I think I was about 19 or 20. And we were right at the front. I thought, oh my God, this is the best front man I've seen since Freddie Mercury. I just thought, you are incredible. The way you are just communicating with us is absolutely incredible. Now, in the 90s, some of you remember, the fashion was, I'm not looking at you two, because you were children. <laughs> what year were you born? 1990, so I was not at boarding school by 95, but I was certainly being readied for it. <laughs> <laughs> The advance warnings were coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Buck your ideas up or it's off. (laughs) Enjoy this final year. (laughs) 
I don't know where I was. I just my mind went to bleakness there. Um, Good. Let's get you crying again, Shappy. Uh, it's it it's not been a Shappy much. podcast at the Listening Post. So it's yeah, 95. So they've 95. replaced the roses. So the, the fashion was back in the 90s for grunge and trustafarians and people sort of pretending like now it's all eyelashes and and manicures and look at my lavish lifestyle back then it was like the poorer you looked the cooler it was so you got very very rich student types growing their hair long and playing the didgeridoo on street corners i don't know why but they did and coming from the background that i come from I came from a very sort of state school background where my parents were rich in everything but actual cash i went to uni for the first time with private school children really sorry um and and they would say things like oh i've only got 200 pounds to last me till monday on a friday afternoon and all of this and and back then it being a sort of state school kid that was like trained to be a cog and not so this is the 80s teachers in the audience i'm sure it's very different now but that was the culture of the time and i didn't even know that the system was not in my favor until i saw common people and he verbalized how i felt that whole thing of you'll never understand how it feels to live your life and the girl from greece they were my friends and they would come to my house one of the girls from greece not a literal girl from greece but one of my rich friends in uni came to my parents home in the holidays and said oh my god you're really poor <laughs> yeah so that became my tribe pulp became my tribe and i just became an insufferable lefty after that and so imagine my shock when my own son at the age of 11 went to private school right <laughs> Obviously, hard for these two posh hosts to know when to chip in on this as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you had your own issues. And still do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, we, we, yeah. I, I just said that thing about my son going to private school to make you feel better, because I sense that you know, you're shrinking with the shame of privilege, but you shouldn't. There's a limit to how much a man can shrink in a bucket hat, I think. There's still a self-confidence shines throughout, I think. <laughs> Regardless. The bucket hat was meant to protect me in exactly that way, but it is finite. It is finite, <laughs> unfortunately. What's your favourite pulp song, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> this is hardcore. Alex was very excited for this. I, I Alex thought I was last night was short. There's only one song. Light. I'd have loved the whole album, but. No, you know, no, well, look, I don't think that was, that's a majority opinion. Common People. It's my favourite song, but it's so much more than a song, so I'm just going to shelf. That's like people saying, like, what would you save in a fire? Of course, my kids, but <laughs> let's talk about the carriage club. <laughs> our friend like, Tom Parry repeatedly said during Common People, this is our national anthem. I think there's a, a lot of logic to that. He did also say it during Three Lions this afternoon. <laughs> so he will not shy of declaring a couple of songs a national anthem, but two He's great choices. He's there now saying it while Paul Heaton's on. But I think um, Disco 2000 mm. is very beautiful because Pulp is able to connect me with my youth in a way. Because I think being from the 90s, the raver generation, we didn't actually believe we'd reach 50. And it's quite a shock that a few of us did, myself included. <laughs> and so seeing them last night, it was pretty special, as was Cardiff, as was Finsley Park, as will Hammersmith Apollo <laughs> B. I'm a bit worried Jarvis is going to think I'm just a bit of a weirdo following him around, which I am. Let's well, I mean, it. why don't we see if anyone's seen Pulp more times than you in here. If you include all of this year and a historic Pulp gigs, how many are you on? Well, not that many. So four, five, six, seven. Seven. 
Anyone seen Pulp more than seven times in this tent? A hand goes up, a respectful hand. How many times? Nine. A narrow victory. They haven't toured that much. They haven't toured that much. Yes, many congratulations. You've worked hard. We, I think ideally in the latter stages of this, in about sort of 20 minutes, we're going to come out and take a couple of questions and also very much open the floor to anyone having any specific pulp memories of their own. So we'll probably be starting with the person who's been to see them nine times. <laughs> a thumbs up as he readies his wealth of pulp anecdotes. And your first was Glastonbury in 1995. Yes, my first was Glastonbury in 1995. And I was absolutely blown away. But back then, I didn't have like, money to go and see live gigs that much. So that's why I went a bit bonkers this year and booked myself into so many gigs, because it's my 50th year. And I booked Pulp four times. Did you go and see Blur? I did see Blur. There's been a lot of good nostalgia stuff this year. Well, the thing is, Blur I went to see for my son. I love Blur, but they don't touch me the way Pulp does. But my son is 15. And he prefers Blur to Pulp. Well, in lockdown, he said to me, Mummy, have you heard of a band called Blur? <laughs> I was like... What a shit. I, I, yeah, and he still doesn't quite accept that they're my generation. He's like, you can't be that cool, there's no way. So I went to see Blur with him, and someone was smoking at Wembley in front of my son, and he'd never seen someone smoke indoors before. <laughs> and he goes, in your day, did people smoke inside all the time? And I went, yeah, and he goes, I expect someone will be along to have him tasered in a minute. <laughs> I love the way he talks. Private school yeah. is teaching him to talk well. <laughs> they talk about tasering a lot at school. <laughs> They say there's some uncouth behaviour out there, but don't worry, most of them get tasered eventually. But he's being trained to talk down to me. I said, I'm going to Latitude, and he went, oh, what for? And I said, well, I'm doing a, a set in the comedy tent. And he went, oh, I didn't have you down as someone who did comedy shows. He didn't say, I didn't have you down as that. I didn't have you down as someone who did comedy shows. The 15-year-old boy said to his mother, who's a comedian. Yes. Well, he knows how me... to mess me up quietly. Oh, I was already it, it, shrinking into my bucket hat, and now I'm dreading future conversations with my daughter. <laughs> it's a great vibe. Because we watched... Would he not want to come and sort of enjoy Latitude and possibly... No, he did even... last year. We watched Susie Ruffle in the comedy tent earlier absolutely rip it with her wife and her daughter there, and it was just so moving, all being there as a big group. But your son just thinks oh, comedy no. is something that you might deign to do at some point. But Susie's daughter is very, very small. Mm. So my boy would come to gigs with me when he was very, very little. Now he's 15. It's not as cool traipsing around with his mum. Though he did come last year. But one year, I remember I was at Latitude. And uh, every now and then, as a comic, you become unstuck. That's my way of saying sort of dying a bit. And I just got him on the stage and got him to sing. He sang, um, <laughs> when I'm walking, I strap my stuff and um, violent femmes. He sung that, and he was uh, about six. Killed it. Did you... Sorry, did he, did he say, have you heard of the violent fans? <laughs> to you, in a very... <laughs> Looking out of the crowd. Anyone heard of this? This is something I wrote earlier. <laughs> um, did you know that he'd sing that, or did you ask him to sing that, or was that completely his choice in the moment in it response to the crowd? It was his choice. He, it was whatever he was listening to at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I was very sad that we didn't get here in time yesterday due to other commitments to watch Confidence Man. Did anyone see Confidence Man yesterday? <laughs> 
Um, I think Confidence Man, I know we're here to revere Pulp, one of the most important British bands of all time, but I think in the moment, in 2023, you're not getting many better live acts than Confidence Man. I'm absolutely besotted with Confidence Man. My daughter, who's four, has just started really liking some Confidence Man songs in the car. It's very exciting, but she's now asking for them almost too much, and we're teetering into them being ruined for me, which is a very weird... I love having something to bond with her over, but I'd love to diversify the playlist a little bit. I had a thought that she could just be side of stage at Latitude, and she'll just come on and sing some Confidence Man if ever I'm dying. It's so useful. Phase it in for next year. It is so useful. Do you know, I was thinking just now, as you were talking, about Jarvis, Cocker and Pulp. Would you agree with me that pretty much all of us comedians, if we could, we'd be rock stars, pop stars instead? No, yeah. you have to turn up too early. There's all this equipment. <laughs> Comedy, live by the seat of your pants. It's great. Well, I think so. And I think that Jarvis is, like, the one that most of us would like to be. Because if he wasn't who he was, I think he'd be a stand-up. Yes, and Definitely. I think that he's... He'd be Stuart Lee. But he's like, Jarvis is cool in the sense that he's incredibly, like, not cool and doesn't care, and that's what makes him exactly. cool. Exactly. And he's the sort of guy that... There was a point in my life I would have ignored, but then when I was 30, I wanted to marry. Right. Can you give an example of the kind of rock star that you would be not ignoring when you were ignoring Jarvis Cocker? Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Just fancy Bruce Springsteen's Bruce Springsteen. not, he's not the marriageable type for you. Why not? Well, you said that you would pay attention to Springsteen when 20. That's a bit defensive. Why not? Is Bruce not good enough for me? Am I, am I not good enough for Bruce? Is that what you're saying? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I thought we were interrogating the flip of your ignore Jarvis, marry Jarvis later. Yeah, yeah, no. He wouldn't have been cool enough for me. I would have wanted Bruce. Okay. Yeah, now looking for cool. the third name for this absolutely horrible game of shag, marry, avoid. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Heaton, Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> Jarvis Cocker. <gasps> I'm, Boris That's it's, probably singer. It's very easy just to chuck Boris Johnson into a game of Shag, Marry, Kill to have an or easy even kill. Or if you're not playing But it doesn't game. make the game as fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. That's a difficult thing. It's a difficult question. Yeah. We don't need to put you on the spot. Marry all of them. Who has been your previous Latitude highlight, previously to Pulp last night? Best act you've ever seen at Latitude, would you say? I saw Janelle Monet a good few years ago. And she blew my mind and blew me away. Do you know, Monet, do we have some love in the room for her? And also Leanne Le Havis, who has written... Uh, yeah, thank you very much for liking my music taste. Um, <laughs> but one of the maddest gigs I've seen was Patti Smith at Glastonbury, where she kind of ran up some stairs, and you could see on the thing that she sort of fell over on the stairs, and she went up back up to the mic. And we was like, oh, yeah, OK, that's a bit like... And then she went, yeah! I fell on my ass as I got to the stage. You know why? Because I'm a fucking animal. <laughs> and I love that. And then she said, we're going to have my friend, the Dalai Lama, come on stage. And I asked, you so cute. And then the fucking Dalai Lama came on the stage. And then he was going on about looking at your phones and being present. And I, mean, I was genuinely rummaging around for my phone, which I'd like put in my top. And I was having a weird argument with my boyfriend at the time. He kept going on about, oh, I wish we could have a catheter in crowd. While the Dalai Lama is While on. While the Dalai Lama was doing his thing. So I sort of missed all that bit. But um, I got some good pictures. And I'm no longer with that catheter boyfriend. We'll do email in if you can beat the Dalai Lama as a guest <laughs> spot that you've seen at a gig. He just came on. 
just floated on. What did he do? Did he play an instrument, the Dalai Lama? <laughs> he no. didn't do any of his more recent eccentric stuff, thankfully. Um, <laughs> oh, it was a slightly God. more standard... Have I missed uh, a big bit of news? <laughs> your standard pleasant aphorisms, really, was yeah, what he went yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in his aphorisms phase. <laughs> this is a bit will be edited out, right? OK, sorry. Oh, I don't know. I think a passing I think, I think we reference to the Dalai Lama kissing a boy's all right, isn't it? Oh, and I'm anyway. really exposing myself as someone who doesn't look at the papers or the news in any way, shape or form. I just go onto Twitter every day and type in Dalai Lama and I see what happens. <laughs> it's usually something. Is it an aphorism or a snog? You get one or the other. What did the Dalai Lama do on stage? Absolutely nothing untoward. OK. It was his birthday. OK. So we all sang, happy birthday, Dalai Lama. <laughs> We had a lovely happy birthday last night during Common People, if you yeah, recall. We that did. was nice. Give me a cheer if you enjoyed singing. And I'm afraid to say it was Nick or Mark, but I can't. Oh, no, it wasn't even Nick or Mark. I can't remember the name of. You wonder how on it are the crowd going to be? They're absolutely ready to pounce on any error. <laughs> Adam in the band had Happy Birthday sung to him in the middle of Common People as it was all drawn to a close. Give me a cheer if you sung Happy Birthday and enjoyed it. <laughs> Give me a cheer if you think it's a bit twee to sing Happy Birthday to band members at gigs. Aww. I was genuinely interested to see if anyone cheered. Lovely. Yes, Twee's yeah. good, though. Sometimes I have this guilty pleasure. I enjoy people having a bit of a scuffle while they're watching a band. Have you ever seen this? It's like a fight. Yeah. When like people start pushing it, of all people, Scissor Sisters, <laughs> yeah. Brixton Academy, two women had a proper Barney, and like a bit of a fight because like they were trying to edge in closer, and they ended up having like a fight. Jake Shears was like, I don't feel like dancing when you're. They didn't feel like dancing. No. <laughs> it was beautiful. I do enjoy a little bit of that kind of, and also yeah. Was there Archie Barchi last night? No, not at all. People don't argy-bargy at festivals as much as they do at um, venue gigs. Because festival people are chilled and they're hungover and they're relaxed and they go with the flu. But when you are uh, at Hyde Park seeing Paul Simon, people can get a bit fighty. Paul Simon brings out the wrong ones. And also, here's a weird thing. The woman I see the most often at political rallies and gigs, weirdly, is Rachel Johnson. Right. She appears to me wherever I go. I was on like some woman's march. I was on a refugee march. Hello! And I was watching um, Paul Simon and this woman thrust chips in my face and went, do you want some of these? And it was Rachel Johnson. She just appears like a jack-in-the-box. What a life you lead, Sheppy. <laughs> I think Alex and I feel quite sort of careful and on our best behaviour about casually dropping any sort of Johnson-adjacent memories into anecdotes. Oh. But it turns out you're seeing Rachel every other week, by the sounds of it. <laughs> now, this is state school privilege. I can boast about having a weird affinity with members of the Johnson family. It's an absolutely intriguing affinity. You said gigs. Did you see her at a gig? What gig was Rachel Johnson at? Paul Simon. OK. And she was at a, a refugee rally and, and which, a women's Which side rally. On, on the rally? <laughs> she was... <laughs> No, that's, me. that's unfair. That's unfair of me, isn't it? And presumptuous of you as to which side I was on. We watched Pulp in a gang. I uh, love last how you, bring, <laughs> you are steadfastly bringing it back to Pulp. That's very professional. I do apologise. Um, what's. Um, <laughs> where else have you seen Rachel Johnson? <laughs> so nice.
supposed to be here on the Johnson Pigs? No. <laughs> no. We Cameron couldn't... wanted to come on Gig Pigs, We're... but he thought it was a whole different kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's always there. There is no one who writes songs like Jarvis. I think they're absolutely amazing songs, and I don't. I think, think I... Sam Fender. Okay. Is somebody who I think is just absolutely incredible and lyric-wise, he will mean as much to people. I think Seventeen Going Under me. is the best song written by a British artist in the last five years. I can't actually talk about that song I'd, I'd, without I'd crying. I'd go into bat for that. I've obviously yeah. made that up on the fly. But, and I'll spend no, the rest uh, of the evening thinking about other songs and being like, I reckon Seventeen Going Under, lyrically and melodically, it takes any of them on. I think it's a wonderful example. I also think Stormzy is an incredible lyricist. One of my favourite lyrics is, I've got holes in my lapel rubbing shoulders with your girl. I think is beautiful. It's almost on a par with I saw two shooting stars last night, I wished on them and there were only satellites. I'm joking, it's not. Those are the most incredible lyrics known to man. <laughs> Good to give Stormzy the nod alongside. Yes. People going, that pulp podcast was a bit Stormzy light. <laughs> not when Shappy's here. <laughs> I'm just going to show off about how eclectic my uh, music thing is. I went to a Stormzy gig and just on my own, I bought the sort of age demographic up to uh, 20. I... Uh... <laughs> Do you know what I love about going to see pop? When I went to see pop at um, Finsley Park, it was just awash with my generation, Generation X, with their teenagers. That's very nice. That's a really beautiful thing. And then sometimes I was like looking around going, oh, so many young people like them. I said, well, of course, because I like the Rolling Stones. You don't just <laughs> like the music in your era. Well, your son's getting you into all this good stuff. You may as well go and see it. Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to ask, is your son getting into Blur Raw or is it a kind of Gorillaz Blur pipeline for that generation? Now? That is a very good question. Absolutely. Yeah, it was right. my Gorillaz. Cartoons first. And this cartoon went... man had a band before. <laughs> That's exciting. And also, he did it independently of me, because I don't really play Blur that much. I do now, obviously. But it's other stuff, like he loves Madness because of me, he loves Queen because of me, but he found Blur on his own. It's a very nice situation That's to be That's good in. eyebrow work there. Great for a podcast. What's the worst concert that you've gone to see with your son because of something he likes? I remember okay. my dad talks a lot about having taken me to see Linkin Park in 2004. <laughs> who obviously they meant a huge amount to me and I still respect them. And <laughs> Chester Bennington was a very sad loss, but nonetheless, it wasn't what my dad wanted to see in 2004. <laughs> he took my sister to Avril Lavigne and me to Linkin Park in back-to-back -back weeks and he described it as a tough fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good he went with you. My parents didn't come with you. They would drop me off. So the first concert I ever went to was Wet, Wet, Wet at Wembley. I couldn't even tell you the year. I think I was 16. And I was so excited to see, like, Marty Pello in the flesh. Because back then, like, nowadays, like, famous people, you could just see their dinner at a click of a switch, right? But back then, actually, with your own eyes, seeing a famous person was unreal. And so Wet, Wet, Wet. And then I've seen the big three. I've seen Madonna... Prince and Michael Jackson. I and thought you were about to say wet, wet, wet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, ah, okay. 
I like the idea of the big three, though. Yeah, they're <laughs> is, the that, big is that three. conventionally discussed? for my generation? No. Yeah, for my generation, the big three: Madonna, Prince, and because uh, they were no one is going to have the superstar status as those three had ever. Uh, yes, Freddie Mercury. Some people have brought chairs okay. and they are right. ready to make their feelings known. <laughs> he was a band, as Brian May never tires of telling us. Queen is a band. So, yes, of course. You come for the Queen, you better not miss, OK? <laughs> if you make a mistake like that again, you're getting out of that chair. Them's the rules. <laughs> no, absolutely. And so I saw them. But, no, I think my kids have got good taste. And also, here's the really sanctimonious thing about me. Just one. Um, I don't know if it's because I'm a performer, but in our family, we have a culture of if we don't like something, we never slag it off. Like, we don't go, go, oh, they're crap. They're, it's like you respect everyone who is performing if they're a you know, person painted in silver at Covent Garden. That's their thing. Or if it's Lim, Lim, that man. Lincoln Park. <laughs> Thank you. Or, or Limp Biscuit, who do serve a similar sort of historic role. <laughs> I think this morning's hangover is suddenly catching up with me now. Limp Biscuit will do that That's too. That's it, Limp Biscuit. I'm always very positive about everything that they like and everything that they want to watch and all that malarkey. But one thing I absolutely loved is I overheard my son. I was on all fours creeping around outside his door <laughs> of his bedroom, trying to catch you know, that he's not talking to a stranger in Nova Scotia online. And I heard him say to his mate, no, my mum's got pretty good music taste, actually. Oh, like, what a moment. That was a moment. I'd love him to have opened the door and seen you on the floor <laughs> outside. <laughs> She's fucking weird, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am taking a restraining order out against my mother, which is a shame, because she knows some good tunes, but unfortunately... <laughs> no, I get really proud when I introduce him to stuff, because he's mad into his music, and so sometimes I'll go, come and see this band with me, and he'll go, no, no, I'm all right, because uh, his generation, leaving the house is kind of a big deal. Uh, yeah. And what with lockdown and uh, computers or whatever. But I took him to see um, The Divine Comedy, and we saw the Divine Comedy. Oh, here's where my brain lets me down. What is that? An amazing venue. It's in South London. It's Art Centre. It's Barbican. Thank you. They were on there for a week, right? They had a residency. And I took him to see... I went to see three of the residencies, and I took my son to see it. And I could just see he was going, this is fucking brilliant. Although he wouldn't swear, not even in his head, because he's a very well-brought-up boy. <laughs> that was really special. And I did Sunday brunch with Alex James from Blur. Rachel Johnson there as well, obviously. Right, no, she, <laughs> she wasn't invited. She just popped out from under the table. <laughs> was that the Sunday brunch where Alex James cut his finger? Yeah. Oh. Alex James cut his finger while chopping on Sunday brunch, oh. and it's the reason that the guests don't chop anymore. <laughs> I had the great privilege of doing Sunday brunch a couple of months ago, and I said, I can't wait to chop some veg. And they said, I'm afraid you won't be chopping any veg. Not since Alex James. He sliced his finger. You can watch the footage online. He's having a lovely, casual, quite banal chat with Simon Rimmer, and he's not looking at his knife. And Albon cut his finger in a blender or something, I think the same year. They've had rotten luck, those boys. <laughs> I think it's funny how, growing up in my era, we used to have concrete in the playground. We used to have these like, apparatus in the playground called witches' hats that were absolute death traps. 
and so many people got killed before they finally banned them. And but one bloody pop star cuts his finger. No, I'd have signed any form. I'd be like, I'm not going to see you Sunday brunch. I'll slice myself open. Just let me chop on the box, as it were. I. Uh, what song do you wish that Pulp had played last night? Fave song other than Common People and one you wish they'd played. I would have loved to have heard Help the Aged. Yeah. I wish they'd played Cunts is Still Ruling the World. <laughs> Running the world. Although that's You're singing along to that, you turn. Rachel Johnson's there. <laughs> Not your brother, obviously, Rachel. Sorry. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the chips. Did the best he could. No, but that's a solo song. I, would have, I think we would have enjoyed that. I think that would have been quite cathartic last night. But they can't put a foot wrong. They couldn't do it last night because, obviously, time constraints. But they did a beautiful encore on tour. So if you are seeing Razzmatazz. They did Razzmatazz <gasps> on tour. Really beautiful. I would have liked some, Someone was saying to me that what a shame it was when they talk about um, I Spy and how... Uh, I can't remember the lyrics. Take your week in Provence and shove it up your ass. Yes, yes. Lovely place to holiday, to be fair, for balance. <laughs> That's it. My point is, that whole sort of railing against all that kind of stuff, and someone said, and we've still got the tourism, we've still got this. I was like, no, loads have changed. We've got same-sex marriage. We've got Rachel Johnson. We've got so much stuff going on. And it was a real sort of battle cry. And uh, it's all fine. Everything will be fine, everyone. Just hang on in there. <laughs> and... Uh... Alex, Hold your nerve. Alex, you, were, you wanted more This Is Hardcore? I just wanted uh, A Little Soul yes. as a sad dad, bad dad song. That's the vibe of that, isn't it? And what was your favourite one that you did get? Probably Disco 2000. For nice and early as well. Out of the blocks. This, like, Bond theme, I spy, and then straight into a Disco 2000. So, Disco 2000, when I left university, I think that was, and I can't remember, in the 90s, and we all said, the year 2000, let's all meet at the Buttercross in Winchester. Those of us who hasn't died in the playground will be there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, none of us went. But that song was like the song for me and all my friends from university in the 90s. When we went to see them in Finsbury Park, my friend Chloe, who's here with me, we were really near the front. And just before they started, I heard this voice go, there's Chappé. And it was my friend Danny, who's from the north, and it was him and a few others from our university. We hadn't planned it, we just bumped into each other by accident at the pulp gig. And we were so happy. I don't think I've ever screamed for joy that loud since I was like 16 and saw a, a, a gorilla. Um, <laughs> and we had to leave the front of the stage and go further back, because we were like, this is about us now. It's not about gawping at the band. This is like having this mm. incredible time and this is the, that's all me up, that we should have had, oh, crying Oh, it's happened. We did it. We did it. We, did, we, it, we did it. Thank you so much. As night follows day, <laughs> take Koshandi to the listening post and the emotions will pour forth. We should say, not to interrupt your grief, uh, but with approximately seven or eight minutes, I think, left, I think you did have one very particular thing about the initials, which you've been excited to do, know. so we want to do that. But I also think we should take a couple of questions slash pulp thoughts, if possible, from possibly the person who's been to see them nine times, the people in the chair. Maybe the audience members just have to do the initials thing. Oh, goodness on, on me. On, on, uh, am I, I roving pappies in the wings, impatient, desperate to sound check, as I rove <laughs> to the chairs. Hello. 
This is exciting. We haven't tested whether the mic goes this far. What's your name? What was your favourite pulp song that wasn't common people? What do you wish they'd played? And is it nice sitting in a chair? <laughs> well, I'm not going to answer any of those, but yeah, go on. My name's Maria, as in how do you solve a problem like. One of the most evocative lines uh, I was in Sheffield in the 90s was with wood chip on the wall. You can have favourite lines, what means something, but something that pulls you into your childhood. What was your favourite line of any other pulp song that pulled you back into your childhood? Do you know what? I think that one. Yeah. I think that one. And also, I walked you home, but that was as far as it went, because yeah. it meant nothing to you, because you were yeah. so popular. That was me. I was Jarvis. There was a boy that I really, really, really liked at school, and he lived in the vicarage. And I would walk and time my walk to school for when he walked out of his house, so we'd walk to school together. <laughs> but then what I would do, I would walk really, really fast so he couldn't catch up with me because I thought <laughs> that if he saw how fast I can walk, <laughs> he would fall in love with me. <laughs> and I did this so many times. So many times. So all of that sort of just the agony of liking someone who just thinks you're a weirdo <laughs> who speed walks to school. Because that's what I thought boys liked. And also this, what that song evokes for me is that thing of when I was a younger woman, I remember a friend said to me that boys aren't going to fancy you until you're in your 30s. I was like, okay, I was like 20. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I got 10 years because I just didn't get it because I was just like, I was really chatty and I went to see lots of music, but then they would always, you know, bonk my thin, tall, blonde, pretty friends. And they were right, I was very popular with the boys in my 30s onwards, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like Jarvis. Can I just say, Shappy, one of the most, my favourite ever lines from a comedian came from you. Oh. It was more of a visual when you were describing about having sex in a modern era where it was more about when they got bored of scrolling. Oh, it's, yeah, that, that, yeah, that was the joke that ended my marriage. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so any other favourite pulp lyrics or shappy jokes? That's the brief. <laughs> Ideally both. Anyone else wish to contribute? I mean, the bar's been set fantastically there. Oh, the person who's been to nine pulp gigs. Would that be all right? Hello. Were you projecting any historic jealousy onto any of Pulp's songs about fancying someone unrequitedly? No, not really. My favourite lyric is probably... Um, <laughs> sorry. My favourite lyric is probably the one about if fashion is your trade, that when you're, you're when you're naked, you must be unemployed, or something like that, which I like from underwear. So I've actually seen Pulp eight times. I thought it was nine. I take I the microphone. <laughs> We're in liars. I'm afraid we will, not, we will not give the microphone to liars in this room. <laughs> Has anyone done eight? Okay, you still win in the tent. You've got away with it, but it's <laughs> disgusting, and I'm disgusted by you. And I think I beat you, Shappy, mainly because I saw them as a support band to St. Etienne in 1992. Wow. Which is why... <laughs> <laughs> we are well old. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was uh, South Parade Pier in Portsmouth. And yeah, it was pulp. I love Etienne. you have the attention to detail yeah, yeah. of a true music yeah, yeah. nerd. Oh, I'm totally a music My nerd. My people, yeah. thank you. Tickets were six quid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> 
I looked that up on the internet to check before. Anyway. Oh, don't spoil yeah. it. Let yeah, us believe sorry. your nerdiness. And Thank uh, you. so my little anecdote about Pulp Gig was I saw them at Shepherd's Bush Empire sometime in the 90s, not really sure when. It was the 90s. I don't really remember much about it. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the support band for that gig was a band called Minty, who were run by a guy called Lee Barry, who was a performance artist. And they were a very, very, very strange band. They came on, there was a keyboard player with a toilet seat on his head. <laughs> and the lead singer was a lady who was stark, stark naked. And I was in the very front row, standing right in front of this lady who stood with her legs wide apart. And I was traumatised. <laughs> I don't remember anything about the pulp show at all. <laughs> that was hardcore. Really? Okay. So, <laughs> so he's you. been to eight. Thank he you. doesn't remember one of them. The number is dropping <laughs> with every revelation. Anyone else want to chip in with can our I, remaining can I just, time? I just remember something. It may seem to the untrained eye, I'm sitting on my arse all day, right? That line, and I can't remember the rest of it because I'm really, my brain doesn't work anymore. She's Can been to a lot of gigs in the 90s, and now some anecdotes are just I said what I just said hard. out loud, didn't I? Yeah. Is, have you, you ever left start... a very important part of your brain somewhere in a field in Hampshire. He changed it to Suffolk. He respected the festival. <laughs> he changed Hampshire to Suffolk, as you must. You know, that line means a lot to me. I left an important part of my brain somewhere in a field in Hampshire because I went to university in Hampshire. And also the Ease and Wiz song because I was a massive fan of Wiz. Massive fan. A lot of my friends didn't like Wiz. I loved Wiz. Could you clarify for the children in the room what Wiz is, please? It's amphetamine. Thank you. And now, years and years on, I've realised why I loved Wiz. Because Wiz is, micro, if you microdose it, it's ADHD medication. So I used to take Wiz and feel completely normal and just spend the day tidying up. <laughs> that would be a less good song, though. Sorted Freeze and Wiz, just about tidying the house. <laughs> <laughs> so in addition to your amphetamine recommendation, could you also give us a uh, music recommendation Ooh, Can I quickly ask about the Sorted Freeze and Wiz? Is it true there were instructions in the CD about how to like, make a rap or something? I thought that was very exciting when I read that. I don't remember. Let's leave that. I do apologise, Alex. I had a tape. <laughs> I don't remember that. No, I still can't roll a... Uh, uh, it doesn't <laughs> matter. Shappy still can't roll a... If anyone's able to help after this, <laughs> help the aged is a very inappropriate, <laughs> very inappropriate thing to say. But if you have the materials... Sorry, Alex. Shappy, could you give a recommendation to our listeners of something to do with music, be it a song, band, tour, album... Book. Yeah, yeah, everything. I tell you what, well, who did we mention earlier? I actually wrote something down. Fuck it, it's my... Oh, it doesn't matter. Fuck it. Leanne Lavis. Yeah, go listen to her. She's amazing. She's got... Uh, what's that song about... Um, <laughs> oh, you God. have to have it locked and loaded, Shappy, I think. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We can't crowdsource a Leanne Lavis song. <laughs> we can't use the listing post as a Shazam. Although we did do that on this week's episode with Maisie Adam, and it went very well, actually. So we've got form. Would you like to recommend anything, Alex? Did anyone see the band Do Nothing on, uh, on Friday? The song LeBron James by them is very good and is very funny and has a reference to Mock the Week in it, which I enjoy. <laughs> there you go. The show is over, but Do Nothing is still flying the flag. 
just for my own sanity. That song about the demons and how I learned to truly hate myself. That one, what's that, Leanne Havis song? It is the best song ever about addiction that you will ever hear. I'm not even sure if it is about addiction. But that's, <laughs> that's what I... Oh, wow. <laughs> That's what you I... can project anything you want onto anything you want beyond a certain point. I'm having a lovely time, huh? Lost and found. Lost and found. And, and is it about addiction? No idea. No idea. Well, you decide for yourself. It's either about addiction or gaslighting. Either way, someone's made it feel bad. I'd like to recommend, I mean, you're spoiled for choice at Latitude, because obviously Paolo Nettini will put on a great show, Warm Douche will be great, but Young Fathers, who are closing oh, yes! that, is one of the best things I've ever seen live. And it might also be indoors, which is good. But equally, don't come if you're a casual, because you'll block the space for people who really want to see it, but my <laughs> Lord, they could. Did you want me to recommend people here, or just generally in life? No, we wanted no. you to solve your Leanne Le Havis mystery, and I think you have. <laughs> <laughs> Could you give it up for Shappy Call Sandy? Thank you. And thanks very much for coming to watch us. There's other stuff on in this venue, and it will be dry. So do watch Pappies. Could we recommend watch watching Pappies Flatshare Slam Down after this in here? The most fun you will have this evening will be in here watching Pappies Flatshare Slam Down. Oh, can I just say one thing? Yes. I can't do this and not say that I've got a book out called Scatterbrain. Of course. And in many ways, what a great advert. Lots of charming <laughs> stories told all over the place. Uh, thank you so much for coming out. We love getting to do this. It's such, such a privilege. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, Shappy. Thanks, Thanks for Shappy. the listening post and latitude. See you again, we hope. That was Gig Pigs. Hello. Um, <laughs> Alex, can you confirm that in between us recording the top and the tail, you have gone onto a very specific cricket-based Wikipedia page? Yes, it's a Wikipedia page of the cricket umpire David Shepherd. And a, indeed, he performs a ritual now known as the Nelson, which is to lift one foot off the ground whenever the score reaches one, 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 or multiples thereof, they being regarded as unlucky by Shepherd in a ritual dating back to his childhood cricket team days. It's a very sweet story. Is it a current or is it relatively historic umpire? He, he's dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry to laugh quite so uproariously at the passing of Mr. Shepherd. But for 14 years as well. So I must have been... It must just be a bit of cricket ephemera that I remember from when I was more into cricket. When Can I, I make this point? A teenager. Clear. I'm going to bounce back and forth throughout the entire history of our friendship and its subsect, this podcast. But I take so much more delight from your, as well as your extensive knowledge of topics that I know very little about and learn a lot about from you. American politics, <laughs> economics, the band Pure Reason Revolution. <laughs> I also love... Yeah, that's PRR rather than PEP. That's P. R-R rather than P-P-E. I mean, Alex has also said just now, I'm sorry I'm being sluggish today. <laughs> I'm sorry if I've revealed that, but... I am feeling very sluggish today. You, you've got off scot-free. Yeah, but if you're pulling P-R-R, not P-P-E, that's a great brain. And it's also a brain filled with 1980s cricket umpires mm. who had their own charming traditions, but those traditions have not passed on to other umpires. They are not part of cricketing law. From the perspective of our argument, it's a score draw, but I would like to re-emphasize <laughs> that while I acted very annoyed at you saying that to me, it is lovely that you've just got that knocking around, because I don't know where you've got that from. You don't really know where <laughs> you've got that from. Listen, if you're sending us an email to Gig Pigs Podcast about anything else, and you are into cricket... I'd love a PS about whether you did or didn't know about David Shepard, the umpire. <laughs> and if you're not into cricket and you did know, then congratulations. Alex Keeley is your new best friend. <laughs> so well done on that. We've cleared that up. 
hopefully we're now speaking to listeners who've enjoyed us talking to Shappy at Latitude. A couple of other mysteries to clear up. The main one, I think we referenced twice the Jarvis Cocker JC thing. And yes. Alex, that was something you were very excited to do that I was quite disappointed for you that we didn't get to do. Yes, it's from the This Is Hardcore song Dishes. And it's a lyric that I was very obsessed when Jarvis is singing, I'm not Jesus, though I have the same initials. So I thought it'd be fun for both Ivo and Shappy and me to do our, in my case, would be I'm not Anna Kornikova. Fantastic. Though I share the same initials. Fantastic. I am not Indira Gandhi, <laughs> though I share the same <laughs> initials. It's a pivot, obviously, from Kornikova to Gandhi. But presumably you've got your shortlist of other options. I was checking whether, because I thought AK-47, surely it's like Alexei Kalashnikov. Oh, yes. But it's not. It's Michael Kalashnikov. I don't know where the A comes from. That's great. What a great thing for you to have stumbled across, but also I'm really <laughs> pleased that you haven't gone to the bottom of it. I love you not being quite at the bottom of things, <laughs> <laughs> but further down the well that I am. Yeah. Yes, I could have had the footballer Idrissa Gay, or potentially the, yes, I am reading this, the composer Ira Gershwin, but I, I don't, <laughs> truthfully, I don't know a lot about any of these. I don't think I know as much about any of these people as you probably do about Anna Kornikova. Yes. Or about your not beloved AK-47. Sheffy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not Sarah Kendall, though I should say. Oh, lovely. Stephen King. Yes. And of course, the six music DJ, Sean Keefe. Yes, there we go. Probably the most relevant to Gig Pigs. So again, if you're emailing gigpigspodcast at gmail.com and you want to pop in both your actual name and your... I'd uh, love that to be the new format when emailing into the podcast, saying I'm not blank, yes. though I share the same initials. That's fantastic. Our good friend Genius.com pointed out that obviously that that... Pulp song is Cocker saying he's not Christ-like, though that some people might impute similarities. And then someone pointed out that a year or two before, Michael Jackson had done a kind of Jesus pose at the Brits. And that apparently Jarvis Cocker got quite annoyed when that happened. And so that this... Uh, I'm the false god. Yeah. And then, <laughs> <laughs> this false, false god. <laughs> You're not Jekyll Caxon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, if you could write in and we'll get to some gig podcast at gmail.com correspondence shortly. But, yes, do you know about that cricket umpire and who's your name twin your favorite your name twin your your nomin nomin nominim no um <laughs> there probably is a word for it but if alex doesn't know i don't know your acroman or any other questions from the back of sorry to talk over acroman but <laughs> what's that it's like your acronym or your initials oh your acro your, your yes. acroman your acro person do you want to initiate any other questions people might respond to from this episode for <laughs> well i mean you know them. has the dalai lama come out at any gig that you've been at and what did they do and was it for uh, kissing or was your amazing something aphorisms gentle aphorisms <laughs> yeah yeah i loved that <laughs> yes any appearances from the dalai lama or from rachel johnson any responses to the snog mario void posited bruce jarvis paul heaton or indeed suggestions of other more avoidable figures, although we said don't break the don't, you know, break, don't that. break that. Make them all good or all bad. Although I don't think amongst the many things we're trying to load up our inbox with, I don't think sort of ongoing snog Mario Voy, I think even if we can just about get away with it this time, it's hard for it not to become base. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, <laughs> but it depends on the suggestions. And do you have any pretentious children who are into music? And have you ever been trapped at the thing you didn't want to be doing at a festival because of someone else, as it were? <laughs> What's the thing you've been most annoyed to miss at a festival? And why did you miss it? And probably who are you placating? <laughs> Whose podcast were you doing during Paul Heaton? <laughs> so give me a cheer, as I say about 15 times during the episode, <laughs> if you've got a yes to Give me a cheer followed by the longest question without a question mark you'll ever hear. Loved it. Very loved sorry. It. Future reference for more live episodes. Really bad give stuff Give me a cheer me. if, and then just the whole Declaration of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Middle <laughs> <laughs> fun. Is Shappy our guest who's seen the band in question the most times? I think she said seven pulps. Yeah. Do you think Nish has done that many big thieves? Actually, we're coming off the back of Josh on Blur, which is almost certainly seven yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, it's a blockbuster. I think surely those two have beaten anyone from... Series one. They're the Swindon towns of watching bands at time of recording. Swindon town have scored more goals than anyone else in the football league. <laughs> Not relevant, but a stat you've got to cling to for as long as it's true. When's this coming out? <laughs> Early October, when doubtless that stat will no longer hold. Sorry. And we will have read and replied to some more of our lovely summer's worth of gig pigs correspondence at gmail.com. Sorry. It's gig, gig pigs, pigs correspondence, which can be found at gigspeakspodcast at gmail.com. We've received a few lovely emails about the pigtails we did about Bruce Springsteen. And I just would like to say thank you again to you, Alex, for everything you did in sort of over the last year, but also in talking to you about it for the podcast and sort of steering it through. Were I recording a solo, if I just did gig pigs on my own, aside from all the other reasons and extensively covered why it would fall down, on this specific case, I would not get all the way through doing that episode, making no decision, and then not in some way falling down on actually putting it out, if that makes sense. I was at the Edinburgh Festival in August when it came out in a sort of flurry of the various other things. But while at the Edinburgh Festival, I had this sort of anniversary, it was about that time of when my friend Tom came to visit me at the Edinburgh Festival and the whole, the last few weeks are full of quite a lot of quite sort of specific memories and events geared around that. And getting to talk to people about the podcast and getting to talk to you about it for the podcast and then it coming out while in Edinburgh and getting some nice messages about it then. And people have obviously said some lovely things about Bruce Springsteen, how much he means to them, about recommended other great Bruce things. We might get to a couple of those. And of course, it was a lovely episode for us talking about our shared memories of watching Bruce online together. And of course, your amazing summer watching Bruce and getting engaged initially. I'd really recommend the podcast for a variety of reasons. But thank you to everyone who messaged something sweet about my Bruce story and my story of watching him twice with my friend Tom and about the sort of general point I think we're always at least implicitly and probably clumsily trying to make about how wonderful it is to get to share the experience of live music and shared passions with people how we've got to do that with so many different people for this podcast albeit in a cynically commercialized product <laughs> format and then actually particularly since coming back from Edinburgh and seeing a few more mutual friends few other people very dear to me and very dear to Tom have also talked about having listened to the episode and they've been very lovely about it. <laughs> and as I said to you the other day, one of them said, oh yeah, Will sent me the episode. He didn't send any sort of time codes or anything for where <laughs> so someone who was essentially looking for a... We had to wade through a lot of set lists. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and of course, if you're in it for the set lists, enjoy the first two thirds of the podcast, <laughs> but the tribute to a beloved friend for which that specific friend was looking for the podcast, it could have been time-stamped about <laughs> 15 minutes from the end. So thank you very much for those. Sorry, Alex, for having just monologued about that. 
we've both talked about enjoying enjoying a very glib word but appreciating getting emails about we get very funny emails about every aspect of the podcast and it's amazing to discover quite how overlapping some of these sort of granular aspects of music nostalgia we have with people listening to it <laughs> which we will get to I am trying to show that I don't want this to be a monologue without actually having anything to say to you. <laughs> I think I'm very happy for you to have monologued our shared thank you for that particular episode. I think that is something I'm very, very happy for. Well, you're sluggish, aren't you? <laughs> I'm grieving you're sluggish. <laughs> so um, it's a really weird to Ronnie's goodbye. <laughs> sluggish to see you <laughs> I know that's not the two Ronnies I must stress Alex should we lurch horribly from that as your imminent departure from your flat with your fiance beckons to talking about this week's Patreon episode yes okay then <laughs> no we hope that some of you we're recording this before Operation Patreon has gone live but we hope that some people will have joined the Patreon and been able to listen to an episode amongst other Benefits listed on the website, an episode about the music documentary Meet Me in the Bathroom, which we love, and which episode one guest Joel Frudicum also loves, although that is a loose connection. This one's a more, this specific, one's a more specific thematic tie, which we've decided to build on our love of pulp and our sort of reverie for this summer. And to tie it in, we're going to watch a documentary called Life, Death and Supermarkets about pulp. I think it's got a longer title than that. Are you happy with that? I'm very happy with that. Terrific. From about 2014. 2014. Build as the last gig at the time. So we would recommend getting on board for that and other niche perks for anywhere between £3.80 and £5, depending on how the uptake for the patron has gone up until this point. Yes. I mean, anywhere between £3.80 and £10,000. I do apologise. There is a final ha-ha-ha-ha tier. There is a ginormo perk. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I would absolutely love to see taken up by accident or by design. <laughs> I would like to finally, before we part ways, read out a couple of specific things from great emails, which we could well be addressed in much greater detail. Charlie Berry wrote to us, Dear King Gigsid and the Pigsid Wizard, thank you very much. <laughs> I called you that on Instagram last week and it felt like we were going public <laughs> I was thrown into a nostalgic reverie when Ivor recently read out a Q magazine review of Franz Ferdinand's second album which I used as the basis of my AS level English language coursework what? please Charlie could we have we need more details about that like presumably please. it's do you reckon and obviously we both want the Q review to be the coursework but it could be that the Franz album could be the coursework. But I think it's I mean, a journalism I, I module. Can't. Like journalism A-level. No, it just says AS-level English language. That's got to be the review then. That can't be the album. Yeah, this is the first time I've thought about English language since doing it in 2007, I would say. Did you do English AS? I, it was I divided see, into like I, literature I, and then a language bit, which I vaguely remember everyone sort of hating. But obviously, if you were going to something like journalism and you were learning about semantics, it was really important. And my God, you'd love it if you were writing about you could have it so much better's greatest hits feel is yeah, its greatest yeah. strength and weakness the thing i think about and mention on this podcast increasingly more than anything else but we've priced our patreon tier our early bird patreon tier cost is the cost of q magazine in 2005 when that review came out that we read in our future dogs die in kaiser ferdinand's hot hot car party <laughs> pigtails episode from july which i also recommend Sometimes it's impressive how I get to the end of these sentences, but 
that doesn't take away from the fact that I shouldn't be attempting the sentences <laughs> in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So thank you very much, Charlie, for telling us that at all. But we'd love to hear more about that if pos. And oh, this builds very nicely. A man who's written to us about Bruce Springsteen. This is absolutely heartbreaking. I took a screen grab of it to make it more navigable, but the screen grab cuts off the name of the person. So, <laughs> so a person has sent us a great email about Bruce Springsteen. It starts off with enjoying the Bruce Springsteen episode. And then it says, with regards to the recent Future Dogs Die in Kaiser Ferdinand's Hot Hot Car Party episode. I was reminded of a similar snooty position my school friend, another Tom, and I took in around 2002. Me being into my classic rock and he into his Radiohead, we decided that all of the modern toss was risible. Thus developing the supergroup, Fubak Park 482. Who's that? I think you can do it in one. Fubak Park 482. The number is almost the most complicated. Foo? Foo. Who's this modern toss from 2002? Foo. Fighters. Yes. Back. It's the last syllable of a three-syllable band name. And it's a bad band. 2002. Nickelback. Yes. Park. I love them. First concert I went to see with my dad. Lincoln. Yes. 482, a mixture of two numbers. Bands very intertwined. Blink 182 and some 41. As ever, I have given Alex a quiz, which I've visibly seen he's not enjoying. But there we go. <laughs> the supergroup Fubak Park 482. Take that Kerrang. Oh, the email is called Take That Kerrang, which means that I can find it because it's from... I think it's from Thomas Griffiths. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Thank you, Thomas Griffith, who'd written a previous email to us about pigs, 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 pigs. Alex, we've got to wrap it up. I'm so sorry. I've loved nearly all of this top and tail, but <laughs> it's gone wrong. Reading the correspondence on the podcast, it's a fickle beast. The beast would be less fickle if I had copy and pasted the right bits. But I'd like to apologise to you and to the listeners. Thank you very much for listening. And we hope to be speaking to you again next week or this week on the bonus content you might wish to seek out. <laughs> oh god <laughs> I echo everything that Ivo said thank you so much for listening come back uh, sluggish all is I'm forgiven sluggish. I'm going to be less sluggish next time <laughs>